wonderful Radio Flanagan with me, Paul Flanagan. Wow. All I can say is wow. I can say other words, but it's a wow kind of a day. This is what we call um, an Indian summer here in the UK, he said, tripping over a stick. It's Indian summer. And I think it's got to do with, we think that it's what the weather is like in India at this time of year. I don't know. If there's any Indians listening to this, he could probably correct me. <clears throat> well, basically, it's uh, Saturday the 13th of October in the year of our Lord 2018. Other gods are available. And it's absolutely scorching. Scotch, it's uh, 24 degrees. So, 24 degrees for uh, those of you that live in Fahrenheit land would be, I normally double it and add 30, so it's uh, 24 will be 48, will be 78. So, that's 78. Now, I know that there's some of you in different parts of the world where 78 degrees is probably mild to middling, you know, and it's not really that hot. But for here in October, uh, that's ridiculous. I mean, I am out in T-shirt, and, and, and I think it's about 12.30, so it's midday, quarter to one, one o'clock, something like that. And uh, I'm out in my T-shirt and shorts and sandals, all dressed on the appropriate parts of the body, you know, sandals on the feet, and T-shirt on the top, and shorts covering the enormous middle bit. <laughs> and I'm heading down towards the beach. Well, the beach area, you know, we've, we've had this conversation before. It's not strictly a beach. It's um, that sort of sandy, uh, less sandy, stony area full of uh, broken cans and bottles and needles and the occasional sleeping drunk and what have you. Um, but yeah, and, and it's, it's just boiling out. So I thought I'd come out of the hottest part of the day, which is what they always say. You know, bad dogs and Englishmen and all that stuff. So I figured it would be a it would be a good idea. And just on the deserted part of the path in the woods, where I'm just walking now, I've passed the first person who I didn't expect. And <clears throat> it was a gentleman carrying a, uh, a Costa coffee cup. Um, a gentleman not of this region, so he probably didn't understand a word I was saying anyway, but. I think it was suffice to say that he's probably looked at me and gone, oh, there's that bloke talking into his phone again. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, so it's an Indian summer. Now, the bizarre thing about uh, the weather in the UK is that um, there is a storm column at the moment uh, traversing its way across uh, uh, the kingdoms of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. And at the moment it's... Uh, Lashing the west coast of Ireland and the northwest um, west coast of Scotland. It's also up in the northeast of England a little bit. It's kind of like at a diagonal. I'm just walking up the uh, the metal steps now. We all know the metal steps. They sound like this. It's also a bit windy up here as well. But so we um, very windy up here. So yeah. So storm column, as my brothers have been telling me, uh, up north. Uh, it's windy, it's wet, it's horrible, Ooh. and it's cold, and it's miserable. And down here, it's like summer. 
but it's lovely but so it's definitely worth coming out to see uh, what the weather's like down on the beach <clears throat> and of course it's, it's weird because it keeps all the insects active as well in this time of year and they're all going around going I must sting somebody before I die or you know whatever language bees and things talking perhaps something like I don't know <laughs> just a guess if anybody can talk bee who's uh, listening to this then please uh, let me be no let me know let me know let me know what does I must sting something before I die and not all insects do this do they though I, I can't remember which ones do that they have to kill something before they die <clears throat> it's probably something I saw on one of these um, documentary programs uh, way back when about when I, when I thought watching naturist doc sorry not naturist <laughs> slip of the tongue right? <laughs> I don't mean naturist I mean natural science <laughs> naturist is something completely different and we all know what that means doesn't it yes 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 it's men, it's, it's men and women frying sausages completely naked in a caravan um, at least that was the last video I watched so natural science um, uh, natural science programs where it's always good to learn about the natural earth and things like that when you know in reality all you got to do is uh, get out into it which I am doing I'm out into it now <clears throat> gosh sorry I've got a bottle of water with me but it all gets rather complicated when you try to um, stop your recording and uh, and get your bottle of water out so and I'm also going to try and head down towards a bit where uh, it's less windy as well because uh, I'm pretty sure at the moment there's lots of you're going over the microphone so yeah so Saturday the 13th of October 2018 just after lunch I'll be honest though it's actually just after breakfast for me I started uh, I did start early I got up as normal as you would do for a work day um, which was stupidly early so I got up and I was oh yeah I'll get a shower I'll get changed I'll have a cup of coffee you know sit down watch the news and then you know start the day so uh, it got to about eight o'clock this morning and I was thinking to myself do you know what this was not a good idea I still actually feel a little bit tired so oh people in a car so I ended up um, going back to bed as you do and uh, three and three quarter hours later I woke up again <laughs> so yeah it was a it was a nice bit of a lie-in and then um, you know there was a bright summer days on the meadow as it were oh Oklahoma and so I thought well shit let's get out there and uh, the last bit of sunshine of the year oh I'm passing by the boat yard now you might be able to hear the sheets as they call it metal the metal um, uh, ropes on the boats on the yachts banging away in the background I'll tell you a story about that many years ago I was working in uh, London and I was working for the um, the Royal National Institute for the Blind as it was called then it's got some politically correct name now and I, was, I went, uh, that was my first job down in London, in the sound recording studios, in the talking book service. And my job there was to, <clears throat> uh, was to uh, take in the recordings of the talking books that people had done at home and make sure the quality of them was okay. And also we had a little studio in there 
um, and we had we got uh, guest uh, people in to Wow, the wind's really whistling round here. We've got guest people in to uh, do recordings of books in the studio. And again, we had to check the quality of them and everything. And it was, it was, oops, windy. It was a great place to work. Uh, and I could tell you stories about that, but I'll do that at a later date. So let's get back to the... Let's get back to the um, to the sheets, the metal ropes on the boat. This is probably the windiest section of what I'm doing here. Hopefully I'll can walk around this corner into a complete dead wind area. Am I in a complete dead wind area? Ooh, almost. What happens if I walk out here? Ooh, this is not too bad at all. Right, we'll walk out here. So, uh, I, I gave up that job because I was looking to, uh, I was looking for fun and adventure. And I'd signed up with, um, this organization called the, uh, the Cruising Association in London. Now, it's not that sort of cruising. No, stop it. <laughs> it's to do with boots. And what it does is there's lists of uh, crews and there's lists of skippers with boots and yachts going places. And <clears throat> when your name gets to the top of the list of the crewing list, then the skipper whose name has got to the top of that list, of his list, and he wants crew, then he will, uh, you know, give you a ring, phone you up. And this is what happened to me. And so this guy phones us up and he tells me that he's taking his yacht from um, North Wales to southern Spain uh, on, on, on the Saturday. This was like, I think, the Monday <laughs> of that week. And so, I, you know, I committed the heinous crime of, um, you know, my first full-time job in London of just like handing him a notice and telling them that I'm going at the end of the week. <laughs> Which they were too chuffed about. And um, it was the first time that I'd experienced a change uh, on a big scale, like, um, uh, you know, it, it, the kind of thing that makes you nervous and makes you um, weirdly upset and stuff like that. Because, you know, basically what I was about to do was what I wanted to do, which was go off on a great adventure. But the actual um, reality of going off on a great adventure is, uh, is something else entirely. Well, it was entirely means getting on a train and going up to Manchester to begin with. <laughs> then I met this bloke, never met him before in my life, met this bloke, and we went off to uh, North Wales. And um, when, while, we, while we were there, uh, two uh, New Zealand guys who were also on the train list and uh, they, they were used to um, sailing uh, yachts and things down, you know, around off the coast of New Zealand. Slicing through icebergs, you know, cutting penguins up. I mean, I don't really know what they did, but they were used to racing yachts. So they were actually proper crew, whereas um, I wasn't. I wasn't proper crew at all. I knew, I knew absolutely nothing about uh, sailing boats. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, nothing. I'm surprised he actually took me on. So, so I remember the um, the first time that I got on the boat, Pebbles. Uh, the first time that I got on the boat, and. It was, and this was when it was uh, uh, tied up at the, uh, on, on the harbour wall in North Wales. And I was like, this is not very steady, this is it. You know, oh, we're going to go across some pebbles here. And I was thinking, this is not very steady. I don't, like the, uh, I don't like the feeling of this at all. And as it turns out, uh, that was the least of my worries, because that was, that was just the beginning. Sorry about all the wind here. Let me just get out the wind. Oh dear, that's pretty bad. I'm just going to walk into a massive windy area. Well, hopefully, I'll come out of the wind and walk into a uh, 
a non-windy area. That's not good. Let's get down in here. See if we can hide in here out the wind. There we go. I'm just going to hide in here out the wind because it's just, it's safer. And if people see me talking to myself, then they'll just have to see me talking to myself. Yes, so there I was. Uh, we went, where did we go from? Oh yes, uh, North Wales. So we got on this bloke's yacht. So there was me, the bloke who owned the yacht, and uh, his best mate, and these two New Zealand guys. Uh, and off we went. <laughs> and so we um, we headed off towards the, uh, the north coast of Spain. Uh, and, uh, you know, bearing in mind that I'd never really sailed before at all, ever, I spent the first day and a half being absolutely sick as a dog. <laughs> I was, it was awful. I, I, I'd suffered the worst seasickness ever. I couldn't, I was useless on the boat. I couldn't keep any food down. And, uh, and then the boat just wouldn't stop moving. I mean, you know, bearing in mind that we were um, in the Irish Sea, which was particularly choppy at that time, um, and uh, I just like I didn't know what was going on. I was totally disorientated. And then they were telling me horror stories about, uh, oh, you must eat some food, Paul. You know, we heard of a guy that got so dehydrated he nearly died and had to be airlifted by helicopter off the boat. I was thinking, this is this is what I need. You know, this is like good good sort of positive mental attitude for me. Um, but I managed to uh, on, on about the um, the morning of the third day. Um, and for some reason, it seemed to take a long time to get to places on this boat. We had to pull into um, northern Spain. Uh, there's a port on the uh, north coast of Spain called Corona, La Corona, uh, because we had a rift to sail. I think it was the, uh, the two New Zealand guys had been um, attacking the boat out as soon as we kind of got around the south coast of Ireland and were kind of like in uh, sort of Atlantic stroke north coast of Spain. They decided to... Um, race the yacht a bit and the rip to sail so we arrived there on Friday afternoon only to find out that the, the sail makers had gone home for the afternoon <laughs> in fact they'd gone home for the weekend so we were actually uh, trapped uh, in, uh, in this port in northern Spain until Monday morning so the lads were off for a drink I, I, I couldn't really my stomach still wasn't up for it so um, I remember staying uh, on the boat and there's, there's interesting policies and um, rules and regulations about boats. So if you're the only uh, crew member on the boat, it's not your boat. You're not in charge of it. It's always somebody else. It's, it's the guy who owns the boat. So I'm sitting there and there's this uh, American guy comes up uh, on the quayside with a bottle of uh, Canadian club whiskey. And uh, he's trying to invite himself on board. Hey, son, you want a drink? Yeah, we can sit down and chat. Or whatever the hell he said. I can't remember what he said, but I just remembering some drunk brandishing, brandishing a bottle. So I says to him, sorry, mate. Yeah, sorry, mate, it's not my boat, like. <laughs> in, in the best possible T-side accent. So he wandered off. And then after a while, I thought, oh, I'll go up to the yacht club. So I went up to the yacht club, and uh, there were some European football matches on. And I thought, oh, well, I'll watch... Um, I'll, wa I'll watch one of these, and there was one going on in in Belgium, um, and I think it was uh, was it Liverpool or something, and it was uh, in, in a stadium called Heysel Heysel Stadium, and uh, and the match started to get abandoned, and I didn't really know what was going on, so we turned the channel and watched something else. Now we'll I'll just wind forward about a couple of months later. A couple of months later, uh, I actually found out that my one of my brothers was at that match in in the Heysel Stadium in in Belgium, and uh, there'd been a, a, a 
disaster, crowd-crushing things, people on the pitch, people dying and that kind of thing. And um, my brother had been in the crowd. Uh, he got separated from his friends, um, but he, 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 you know, he made his way home and there was lots of, uh, you know, telephone calls and, you know, where is he, is everybody all right and stuff like that. You know, in the meantime, all I knew about it back in the past was uh, the match wasn't on and we turned the TV channel. <laughs> Bless. So, um, to cut a long story short, because um, <clears throat> I need a drink of water, basically what happened was uh, the sailmakers came back on Monday morning. Um, oh yeah, no, I must tell you about the Sunday night actually. We went out on the Sunday night, I was feeling I was feeling better to go out. And we went to a tapas bar, first time I'd been to a tapas bar. Uh, and it, I remember it was a big long bar, this is relevant to the story, This so it was a big long bar. And... Um, it was it was like a you know tapas, lots of little foods and things. You know, uh, squid. First time I had squid as well. I actually quite like that. Uh, and squid and little bits of fish and meats and you know things in oils and people dipping the fingers in. Very un very unhygienic. You know, bloody continentals. You know, and it was it was all that. And olives. Well. You know, when you come from the northeast of England, you know the most exotic thing that you that you usually get is is a, is a pear. You know, because it's normally like apples and oranges, and pears are like you know something that that you get in your Christmas stocking. So olives was like uh, what the hell. So uh, there was these like little black kind of pebbly things in this bowl, and uh, uh, the skipper of the yacht he goes, "Oh, you should try this, Paul. Try try an olive." So I tried an olive. I put one in my mouth, and uh, you know. Uh, the long bar now comes into play because I had to leg it because I was just about to puke my guts because uh, you know olives and me as I knew from that point don't get on so I had to leg it up through this bar which is crowded you know dodging tails and stuff like that get out to the front and typically continental bars have got tables and chairs at the front haven't they so, so I'm like oh my god I need to spit this out so I had to run down this side street and spit this olive out <laughs> bloody awful stuff so yeah so that was olives <laughs> so we, so we, uh, so sail was fixed, got the board, uh, went off again, um, and then we, you know, came down, uh, came down the coast of Portugal. Portugal was uh, nice. Um, I, I learned interesting things on that trip. I learned interesting things like um, the horizon is 22 miles away. Wow. I mean, yeah. The horizon is 22. Is that still windy? It's still windy out there. I'm not going out there. We'll stay here for a bit. So the the horizon is 22 miles away, and um, and you can see it because because it, it, the Earth's curved, and we were <coughs> approximately 24 miles off the Portuguese coast, and you couldn't see the coastline. So that was so that bit was true. Now the skipper of the yacht, he'd he'd passed his master's certificate, so he knew everything that he needed to know uh, in order to um, sail the yacht. But he wasn't very good at Morse code. <laughs> Which is a bit alarming, really. I mean, you, don't, you, don't, you didn't need Morse code then, because you know a lot of things were hardwired, you know, your, your SOS signals and that kind of thing. But um, you know, if you couldn't read semaphore, you know, flags or lights and everything, then you know Morse code is an extremely useful thing to know when you have to um, track yourself along coastal beacons. Now, this is where I come into play. This is probably one of the only reasons I was on board. Uh, I knew Morse code because um, I, I had actually been training uh, years beforehand to be a radio officer in the Merchant Navy. So, there's yeah, something you didn't know, eh? So, yeah, so I knew Morse code, so I knew, I knew what it was all about. So, he had um, a thing which was a, uh, a radio finder. It was a handheld direction finder, a bit like a ray gun. Uh, and you would, you'd hold it, you would point it at the coastline, it would pick up a, um, a Morse code signal, 
you would listen to the Morse code signal, you would um, you know, understand it, decode it in your head, and then on the, uh, on the direction finder it would tell you the compass bearing. So, uh, in order to get where you were on, this is getting, if this is getting a bit technical, just fast forward. But, but basically, you need the three of them to triangulate your, your position properly. So th- there was the, there was I on the point on the pointy bit of the boat um, with a yeah, <laughs> pity I didn't. I only had a little Kodak camera with me at the time, you know, a little Instamatic. So I didn't have anything that you know, no digital camera. Couldn't do selfies. Definitely couldn't do podcasts. But this picture would have looked great. So I'm on the um, I'm on the pointy bit of the boat uh, at the front, and I've got the direction fine and I'm pointing it towards the Portuguese coast I hear the um, the, the Morse code um, transmitting signals now you have to remember that when I was uh, learning to be a radio officer uh, I was sending and receiving at 20 words a minute now that means nothing to you uh, unless you actually know about Morse code and 20 words a minute sending and receiving is pretty good I'd say uh, so these post, these uh, coastal stations, even in um, a foreign language, and, and it wasn't a foreign language, but there was actually just a, was like a, a three or four letter call sign. They were only sending in five words a minute. <clears throat> so five words a minute, you know, you could do a crossword, uh, cook your breakfast, and listen to the Morse code and decode it as you went along. So it was easy for me. So three of these things, triangulated position, and I plotted myself, um, you know, where we were, where I thought we would be. Now the skipper of the yacht, he decided to go back to first principles, and he said, oh, "Well, I'm going to I'm going to plot the position of the yacht uh, using my sextant. That's sextant. Uh, you know the um, the swingy thing with the plumb line or whatever it is, where you stand on the the bow and you you know m- m- hold it up to the sun and you measure the angle and, and all this sort of thing." So <clears throat> he was convinced that he would get a more accurate reading uh, with a sextant than I was going to get with the, um, the with the Morse code and the direction finder. Which, of course, was utter nonsense. <laughs> um, so, so he did his thing, and he went downstairs as well, and you know, he had all the charts out. It was really cool. I mean, it was just like a movie. It was really cool, and he, and he got all his charts out and everything, and he did the um, the whole measuring measuring it all up. Uh, you know, uh, lines on the thing, and he put us like 200 miles west of uh, of Portugal, out in the Atlantic somewhere. <clears throat> and I was saying to him, Bill, no, uh, <laughs> oh, that was his name. Sorry, <laughs> let's just call him Bill. <laughs> and um, I said, no, we're about like 24 miles off the Portuguese coast, and in about, uh, I said, in about sort of 20 minutes, if we head heading on the same course, we'll see the coast. So you go, no, 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 no. I bet you're a bottle of wine. Fine, whatever. So, you know, a bottle of wine later, of course, we'd, do, we'd see the Portuguese coastline. <clears throat> he was a lovely fella, actually. Um, I, I tried to teach him Morse code, and um, he tried to teach me ways to kill people. <laughs> because um, he knew karate <laughs> and all that good stuff which is of course is is really essential when you're on a when, I, when you when you're on a yacht you know and there's only four of you and you're all friends you know we, we could have been attacked by i don't know you know aliens who like to land on yachts and fight people in hand-to-hand combat you know there's always a possibility but <laughs> he's a lovely fella so <laughs> So, by the way, I haven't forgotten about the sheets on the um, on, on the ropes on the thing yet. I'll get back to that. So we come into we pulled into Lisbon, and the two New Zealand guys left. They just like left um, unexpectedly. So that left uh, me, the skipper, and the skipper's mate to take the yacht round to um, Southern Spain. And that's when we had to do uh, split shifts. So for an hour uh, every day, uh, you were actually in control of the yacht by yourself. 
Now, this is somebody else's boat, like, you know, and, but for an hour, I was actually um, captain of my own ship, as it were. And, uh, it, it had power steering, so that was useful. But the thing with the power steering is that, um, unlike on a car, where you would turn a car wheel and the power steering and the car would turn, uh, on the boat, you would turn the wheel uh, and there'd be a slight delay nothing would happen then all of a sudden the boat would like lurch off you know to, to in the direction you would turn the wheel i didn't get that at first and so i turned the wheel nothing would happen i turned the wheel again well what a fool <laughs> i think there's a few occasions where i um i just took the boat straight into the wind and all the, all the sails flapping all over the place and then i had to um there's a technical term for that. I'm sure some of you who sail boats know what it is when you take the um, you take the sailboat through the eye of the wind. I can't remember what it is now. Anyway, um, and, and that would happen. And it happened a few times until I eventually realised it was the wrong thing to do. Uh, but when you, were, when you were out there by yourself, and there was a couple of times when I was out there uh, in the middle of the night, and it's really cool um, in the Atlantic in the middle of the night when you're on your own boat by yourself and there's nothing else around... Not, not even any sound of any orcas or anything like that. It's just like you and the sunrise as well. Uh, uh, again, I wish I had a, a camera. I can I can see it now in my head. And it was like really eerie. You know when you get that sort of strange glow, and it was. It was a strange glow where you know night slowly dissipates and then do 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 and dawn. And there's no birds or anything, but you know. Um, and then you suddenly get the uh, the sunrise coming up. And it was just it was magnificent. Uh, uh, so we, we had to go around uh, down um, the, the coast of Portugal and into um, through the Straits of Gibraltar. Now the Straits of Gibraltar are an interesting place. He said, turning back on his little walkie path. I was just about to walk down to some benches where there's some lady sitting, and she's probably been listening to the whole of the story anyway. So I don't care. Um, uh, yeah, uh, we had to take the they had to take the yacht through the Straits of Gibraltar. And uh, it, it, it really, you know, you see it on, um, and you read about it, and it's on Wikipedia, and it's that little, you know, that, that tiny little gap between <clears throat> North Africa and Spain. <clears throat> and, and at some points of it, it's actually really, really shallow. At some points, it's only about a metre deep. And you, you have to, there's a channel that runs right through the middle of it, and it's like a motorway, and everybody queues up, <clears throat> and you've got to get your position right, and you have to talk to, um, you know, Gibraltar, traffic control and you have to get your uh, you have to get your boat in the right place so we took it off sail because clearly uh, it wouldn't have been a good thing to try to sail us through properly and go either you know crashing onto some rocks or uh, or crashing into somebody else <clears throat> so we motored through there that was that was great that was really cool going through Gibraltar um, and then we came along <clears throat> the south coast of Spain and <clears throat> there's like um, an almanac that helps you um, <clears throat> gives you details about uh, all the different ports along the coast of Spain and it tells you uh, useful things to know and we were going to pull into a one called uh, Fuengarola and uh, Fuengarola um, you know it tells you where the uh, what uh, position the the port light and the starboard light on the harbour entrance is you know the, the green and red light Unfortunately, uh, and it had a big long, um, uh, a couple of paragraphs about this in the book, because of the way the uh, the Spanish coastline is built up with, um, you know, hotels and shops and offices and things like that, it's really difficult to distinguish the port and starboard red and green lights from all the hotel lights. So in order for you to uh, understand your position in relation to the harbour, it's said to look out for the um, the, Sand the Sanderman Hotel Sherry advert. 
uh, and that was basically this big. Uh, it was a silhouette of a, of, a, of, a, of a guy in a cape and a hat, like a, a like a toreador. And he was the that was the Sander Mancheri um, advert, and it was a massive thing. And it was on top of this hotel, and it was right in the middle of the harbour. It was right in between uh, the harbour, uh, right in between the port and starboard lights. So, if uh, while you were trundling along, and you saw the um, the Sander Mancheri man, then you just you were right in the centre of the harbour, so that was the way to get in. So that was useful. So we did that, <clears throat> and we got in there. Anyway, so the man who won the boat, he was going to stay there for a couple of weeks, and but I wasn't, and you know I had things to do. Like I didn't actually know what I was going to do. Um, what I ended up doing was uh, <laughs> is, a, is another story altogether. But that that was quite entertaining. What I ended up doing, um, but I stayed with him for a couple of days, and then I went hitching off up through Spain. But the first few nights that I was staying there, getting back to the sheets on the uh, on the yachts, on the sails and everything, the first few nights I stayed there, uh, Fuengarol is a very uh, busy port, um, you know, for yachts and things. You get yachts from all over the world, uh, come there and, um, you know, park up for a while. But when it, when when it's windy, more windy than it is here, when it's really windy, um, you just hear all this clang, 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 constantly. And, you know, when, you, when you've had a few days at sea, you know, and you, and you want a bit of a rest, and you go for a lie down in your bunk, <laughs> and then all you hear, and he's like clang, 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 all night. It's just like hopeless. Uh, I had a two really unsuccessful nights sleep there. And then the following day, I decided to split and uh, ended up going... Um, where did they go? Oh, yeah. I hitchhiked up to Malaga, I think, and ended up staying in this hostel with um, tons of uh, tons of people my own age, and uh, and had a good night's sleep, if not with having everything tied to me and secured down so that nothing got nicked during the middle of the night. But that's the way it goes. Oh, look, that's half an hour. Blimey. Managed to talk for half an hour. Hopefully... Um, Hopefully you, you heard most of that, and uh, it wasn't uh, it wasn't in the wind all the time. Um, but yeah, so I don't know why I started with that. What did I start with? Oh yeah, the Indian summer. That's right. Yeah, so that was the Indian summer, and then we got into boats and yachts and sheets. Oh yeah, and the trip down to Spain. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cool. There's a few more things to tell about that, but uh, right now I need a drink of water. So um, cool. There you go. Well, that's the end of another show from wonderful Radio Flanagan and me, Paul Flanagan. I hope you've enjoyed it. I know I have. (laughs) And, um, well, I'll uh, catch you next time on wonderful Radio Flanagan.